Make sure you're subscribed to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Type The Word of the Lord Endures Forever in your podcast provider. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. He's about to explain to them, first, exactly who this Lord is, and secondly, about how they can call upon his name. That is, he's about to preach Jesus to them and urge them to get in the waters of baptism, which these men have been commissioned to administer in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the book of Acts. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. So recall that last time we just started digging into what happened when the day of Pentecost finally and fully arrived. They were all in one place, probably more than just the 12, meaning the 120. And out of the blue, there came a sound, a mighty rushing wind, filling the house where they were, and then divided tongues as a fire that rested on them. Do you remember Dr. Nagel's suggestion, hovering around their mouths? And as if all that weren't enough, they immediately began speaking, and as we'll hear, speaking in tongues that they had never learned or studied. And as the great crowd of the faithful Jews there for Pentecost come running to check out what all the commotion is, they're floored. Even though they're from all over, from the eastern stretches of Asia all around to the Mediterranean basin and North Africa and even up into Rome and down south into Arabia. Well, each of them is hearing these Galilean men speaking in their very own languages and proclaiming in their hearing the mighty deeds of God. They wonder both how this can be and what on earth it might mean. Remember, we also pondered a bit whether this were a miracle in the ear of the hearers more than in the mouths of the apostles and company, and it's just definitely hard to sort that out. What is clear is that God was doing a rewind on the judgment that befell Babel. He's doing a new thing. A reading from Acts, the second chapter, beginning at the 13th verse. But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. 
The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 2, verses 13 through 21. Let us pray. O God, who gave your Holy Spirit to the apostles, grant us that same Spirit, that we may live in faith and abide in peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So you're ready to work your way through today's reading? Let's dig into it. Verse 13, But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. Now, this is not the only place in the New Testament where you have the association of drunkenness and spirit. Remember how St. Paul said in Ephesians 5, verse 18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. I think the implication we have here is that the Spirit so filled them with holy joy that they were mistaken for being plastered with wine. As the 19th century Russian saint Seraphim Oseroff once proclaimed, the Holy Spirit turns to joy whatever he touches. And he just touched these disciples, filled them to overflowing with an overwhelming joy, a holy giddiness, if I may put it so. And against the accusation of early morning drinking, Peter shouts out a clear, nope, that's not what's happening here at all. Verse 14, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Verse 15, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. He addresses those who are ready to dismiss the apostles and company as being sauced with a direct contradiction. He tells them to listen up because they've got this all wrong. Third hour of the day, that's about 9 a.m., and Peter challenges the notion that they've been up early drinking. He may be filled with joy. He may be filled with holy giddiness, but he's stone cold sober as they all are. And Peter proceeds to offer them the correct explanation of what's taking place before their eyes and in their ears. Verse 16, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, verse 17, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Remember that Jesus had opened up their minds to understand the Old Testament scriptures correctly back in Luke 24, verse 45. And now you see that new understanding at work. They are filled with the very spirit who had inspired the prophets, whom Jesus had poured out on them just as he had promised. And thus, they began expositing those very writings to the people. Joel, recall, is the second in the book of the Twelve, a section of Scripture that Jesus refers to very often. Peter doesn't quote Joel too exactly at the beginning. The Hebrew has, and it shall come to pass afterward. That's Joel 2.28. 
but this is simply a technical phrase for the messianic age. So in the last days is just another way of saying the exact same thing. Peter also inverts the old men and the young men, but otherwise this is pretty much a direct quote. The mark of the age of the Messiah was to be this lavish pouring forth of the Spirit, no longer encountering him only in certain prophets or priests or kings, but now shared across the spectrum of God's people, male and female, young and old, and more, verse 18. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit and they shall prophesy. Now, Peter puts a my in there my male servants and female servants. The Hebrew and the Septuagint simply have the. Either way, the point is, even those whom people are most inclined to disregard because of their lower social status will be filled with the Spirit and thus made heirs of the kingdom, exalted and important in the eyes of God, and they too will open their mouths and speak forth God's sweet word. So up to this point, we have the explanation of St. Peter of what's actually happening around them on the day of Pentecost itself. But catch this next bit, verse 19. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, verse 20. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. Peter will make it clear that wonders and signs accompanied all of Jesus' ministry. And of course, even at his birth, there were wonders in heaven. Now, I'm deeply indebted to my internet friend, Dr. William Ty, for sharing with me a copy of an article by two Oxford professors published way back in 1983 in the journal Nature. In it, Colin J. Humphreys and W.G. Waddington propose an absolutely fascinating hypothesis from this passage about how to date the crucifixion itself. The summary of their argument is that Friday, the 3rd of April, 33 AD, was the date, and here's why. The people gathered at Pentecost that year would surely have included a great many who had come to the Passover feast just some 50 days prior. They would still have remembered the odd events that took place in conjunction with Jesus' crucifixion and death, the strange and eerie darkness that befell at midday, possibly due to a humdinger of a sandstorm, but also as they watched and they waited for the rising of the Passover moon after sunset that same day. It would have arisen coming out of a partial lunar eclipse. It would thus have appeared blood red. Put the three-hour darkness and the moon to blood, and thus both events were fulfilled before the day of the Lord arrived, the day of Christ's glorious resurrection. If these Oxford profs are correct, then Peter's Pentecost sermon would have made a boatload of sense to his original hearers, especially since he kicked off with that Joel passage. He's explaining to them what has just happened and points out that this is the result of the great day of the Lord, whose signs they themselves had witnessed some weeks before arriving. Peter thus uses ancient prophecy 
to explain current events. And now at last, Peter comes to the answer to their inquiry about what does this mean? Joel, it seems, had already told them if they have ears to hear. Verse 21. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's what it means. It means salvation is now being freely offered to all who call upon the name of the Lord. He's about to explain to them first exactly who this Lord is and secondly about how they can call upon his name. That is, he's about to preach Jesus to them and urge them to get in the waters of baptism, which these men have been commissioned to administer in the name of the Lord Jesus. And what they too then will receive is nothing less than salvation. Thus, the gift so spectacularly bestowed upon those who received the Holy Spirit that morning will be on offer to absolutely everyone in the crowd who will but repent and then receive the baptism Jesus commands his apostles to offer, calling on his name for salvation. And right there is where we're going to call our halt for today. Next up, Peter will move from Joel's prophecy to one by King David. He makes it clear that the men of Israel are without excuse because of the mighty works and wonders and signs Jesus himself performed right there in their midst. He calls them to admit as much, to stop lying to themselves about his miracles. And he reminds them that Jesus then was actually delivered up and crucified according to God's foreknowledge and plan. And that does not exculpate them. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, Peter says, God's Messiah. But God raised him from the dead because it was simply impossible for death to keep hold of him. Peter turns to the beautiful words of Psalm 16, words that David spoke but that cannot apply to David and expounds David's prophecy as pointing to great David's greater son, to Jesus, who was not abandoned to Hades, that is, left dead, nor did his body see corruption. David was speaking about Jesus, Peter announces to the people. Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, Make your check payable to The Word Endures and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.